Lamb, and, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to Topa, Topa Talk. Talk. Hello, listeners. Welcome. Today we have Dr. Hannah Robinson on the show. She is an attending physician in internal medicine, and we're super excited to have her on the show today. Hi, Hannah. How are you? Hi, good. Thank you for having me. Of course. We're recording today in her backyard, which is gorgeous. It's over. What mountain range is this? That's not the Topas, is it? It's uh, Los Padres. Los Padres, Los Padres National Padres. Forest. I was going to say, that'd be cool if they were the Topa Mountains on Topa Talk. But those are just over there. Just over there. Um, so we love recording outdoors as much as possible. So this is Yeah, and our dogs, I can't stop laughing because our dogs are wrestling right behind us. So maybe, yeah, that's what that, that noise gonna is You're going to hear some back. ruffling. Maybe some, there's a, a bird that's letting us know it's alive. Yeah, there may be some extra sounds. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, so we're going to dive right into it, Hannah. So if you wouldn't mind just kind of telling us your background, where you grew up, what your story is, how you got into medicine. So I grew up in um, a small town in Virginia, Wise, oh. Virginia. It's coal mining country in the Appalachian Mountains. Oh, wow. Um, so it's a super tiny little town. And um, then after that, I went to college at Virginia Tech and studied... All kinds of different stuff because I love going to school. School's the best. School is the best. Did you start off with uh, medicine or what do they call it? Medical? Pre-med? <laughs> Pre-med. <laughs> or did you know when you went to co- first went to college that you wanted to get into medicine? So when I first went to college, I was set on it and really wanted to do it. And then in college, every new thing that I learned about and studied, I thought about doing that for a month or two. And then eventually oh, yeah, the you end, sound like me. came back to medicine. That's so cool. Yeah. Where did you go to medical school? I went to osteopathic medical school and uh, at Toro University uh, in the Bay Area. Oh, what that's is... where Stephanie's from. Yeah. Hey. Really? Where in the Bay Area? It's in Vallejo. Oh, the Valley Joe. Mm-hmm. My East Bay <laughs> homies know what's up with that. Um, <laughs> what is What type of school was it? Sorry. So it's an osteopathic medical school, what which is a little mean? bit different than the usual, most common type of medical school. So most doctors are MDs, but mm-hmm. I'm a DO. Oh. Which is a doctor of osteopathy. Whoa. What is that? Yeah, break that down. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Talk to me like I'm five because yeah. I am. <laughs> My girlfriend made me talk about this, so checking that off right away. So most <laughs> most doctors are MDs, and MDs get, you know, like, so DOs get all the usual training that an MD would. Okay, wait. So med- MD means medical degree? Am I making that up? What what's an mean? MD mean? <laughs> Medical doctor. Okay, and what's an, a DO mean? <laughs> doctor of osteopathy. Okay, okay, okay. I'm caught up. <laughs> so in DO school, you learn all, this, all the things that MDs do, but then you get additional training on top of it in manipulative medicine, which is like treating that people with scary. your hands. <laughs> That's like, it's like, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, Hannah, but it's like you learn things like similar to like what chiropractors learn. Similar. Similar. I, obviously different, but Fair. like manipulating without medicine. Yeah, we use our hands to treat people and try to optimize the way people's body functions okay, in, in a more natural this. way. Yes. So, so they so, so cool. it's kind of like can I make a wine reference here? So so I always have to talk about <laughs> wine with this girl. So so a DO gets all the same training as MD, but and so they can say that they have like they're similar to an MD, but an MD cannot say that they're a DO. So similarly to wine, champagne can be called sparkling okay, wine, yes. but sparkling wine cannot be That's called right. champagne. Yep. Okay, for all of our 
wine people out there. <laughs> that is very close to correct, and you're probably going to get some hate mail from Ooh. some MDs out there. <laughs> Not hate mail. I mean, no, but the spirit of what MDs. you said is true. Listen, MDs are badasses. Yeah. Okay, whatever. I don't even know where my femur is. So <laughs> yes, I mean, you do. That one's easy. I, I bold. Where is it, Steph? That's right here. Oh, That's nailed this, it. This what leg, the thighs, <laughs> baby. <laughs> so I kind of want to go back to where you grew up. Um, because I think that's really special about you. Um, how did growing up, uh, in Virginia kind of shape who you are as a person? So growing up in Virginia, you know, we were surrounded by a lot of poverty and, um, but I mean, there's also a lot of good things about growing up in that type of area for sure. You know, the community is really tight and you learn to appreciate a lot of things like, you know, nature and family and things that you might not necessarily otherwise, um, but I think when I left Virginia, I had a new perspective on it. Um, just because, you know, when you're growing up in something, you don't realize how it's different from other things. You just think everyone else in the world is like you. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I left, you know, I realized that a lot of people in society are marginalized, just like, you know, poor people in Appalachia are. And I think that it allows me to be able to, you know, connect with people in a really non judgmental way. Yeah. Um, just because I came from a place, uh, not from a place of privilege, I guess I should say. Yeah. Um, not that, you know, I didn't have a lot of help along the way, but, um, so I think that, you know, just being non-judgmental is probably one of the most important parts about, um, yeah, being a doctor I, I totally as far as being I think a lot of people. people get very scared about going to the doctors because they hate to admit that either they haven't taken care of themselves or they haven't made the decision to look into something you know I think that people have a lot of insecurities and doubts about themselves and going to a doctor can feel like you're gonna be ridiculed or judged or yeah and Appalachia is one of the most unhealthy by almost all metrics one of the most unhealthy places in America and it's not because of anything constitutional about the people there is it's because of the situation that they're in so yeah a lot of times people's health is just related to their situation and growing up in Appalachia allowed me to be able to understand that Yeah, that's amazing. And I know there's a lot coming out right now about the coal miners in America and how how we've basically let them down as as a society with processes and the the larger like community that's supposed to be checking in on standards and stuff for coal miners have just been failing them. And the the cases of lung cancer and deaths among them are just staggering. I think that's something, too, that we forget sometimes is like health is kind of a privilege. Like, oh, yeah, like. Poor, like, people who live in poverty don't have as much access to, like, healthy organic foods and, like, all that stuff. And I think it's... Yeah, you see that a lot for people who... I mean, this ties in great to our podcast because we are interviewing a lot of people who are doing it themselves. And the access to healthcare when you are even a business owner, a single business owner, the access to healthcare is really tough to navigate. And so there's so much privilege to even working for a corporation that provides benefits and stuff like that. So true. So being a doctor uh, takes up a lot of time. You work a lot. Yeah. Okay, wait. I used to work a lot. How long did it Uh take for you to become a DO? So I did five years of undergrad, and then I did four years of medical school where I got my master's degree alongside my doctorate degree. And that all. Wait, wait, what? What do you have a master's in? (laughs) Public health. Jesus. We got a knockout over here. I told you I like school. That's why I'm a doctor. (laughs) That's so cool. That's what you get to go to school for the longest way. So that's how it happened. Um, but then you do, I did four years of residency training after that. So I guess that's all together 13 years. 
That's like going back and doing high school all over again. K K through 12. 12. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, not just high school. The whole thing. So when you're not working and being a badass and studying and like being all smart and stuff, what are you doing? So, I mean, being a a physician has really allowed me to live a life that I've wanted to live, you know, since I was a little girl. Um, So Yeah, we're sitting in your dope fucking backyard right now. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, wow, I made some bad decisions as a young person. Should have been a doctor. (laughs) Yeah, so I spend a lot of time here at home just enjoying the fact that I, you know, bought a home that I love. That's so comfortable and beautiful. Um, but I spent a lot of time hiking and being outdoors and I've learned to golf since finishing my training because that's what doctors do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I ride my bike a lot. I basically just try to be active and enjoy being outside. If I'm doing that, I'm happy. What's the farthest you've ever biked? How far is Carpinteria from Ventura? That's like 15 miles probably. So round trip, like 30 I think about 40, 42 miles is the longest I've done in, in a day. That and a little bit extra, yeah. That's pretty impressive. It's pretty fun. We take all day. We're lazy about it. Stop yeah, halfway, get, get some a beer. food, some beers, <laughs> come back, that sort of thing. I wouldn't be able to bike after I had a beer. What's your favorite kind of beer? Like right. type. Oh, I know. I know. Wait. Okay. What sure. is it? Go. IPA. Nailed it. <laughs> Yay. I, I was like second guessing myself at first. I was like, oh shit, is it pale ale? If your favorite, That's my second pale, favorite. Okay. If your favorite beer is an IPA, you're doing fine in life because they're literally, they're being made in such abundance and creativity, like the creativity that they're making these with these days is like so fun. They're so good, but these days you got to be careful because they're like higher and higher alcohol oh, content. Oh yeah. Knocks you on your ass. Yes. Do you have a favorite uh, brewery? I don't know that I have a favorite brewery, but I mean, my What's go- your jam right now? What are you drinking? I am always happy with a Lagunitas. Oh. Yeah. Lagunitas is great. And I also really like that Made West Pale Ale. That's an excellent oh, beer. Oh, Made West is fun. Have you yeah. been to their facility? Mm-hmm. A couple times. Yeah. It's, nice. it's like in a random area, but I love it. It's very like warehouse, but then the beach is right there. It's like random. Um, okay. So back to being a doctor. Sorry. I, lo- I could talk about alcohol. Yeah. Okay, we, so that's yeah. dangerous. <laughs> um, so I think this is something that like I can't comprehend. And I'm sure Stephanie would agree with me on this because we're both kind of emotional people. Mm-hmm. Uh, in an industry where you're dealing with, like, very serious, like, health issues, how do you separate emotion and, like, how do you I, – I don't even know how to phrase this question. Like, how do you separate emotion from work? Like, I have a separate point on that. I think it's crazy that we would even expect – people to separate an emotion like i mean for when you're operating on people sure yeah of course you have to be like very serious but when you're talking to people like the fact that we expect doctors to be able to turn off their emotions and like that to me is just like an insane thought but go on no i i couldn't agree with you more um i mean so i think you know through uh, the training is really long and part of the training is learning to be able to handle that sort of thing and I think a mistake that a lot of people make and, you know, a lot of doctors is like turning off your emotions so that you can take care of the patient because you do need to, a lot of times in the moment, not be feeling your yeah. emotions about the situation. But at this point, I've been doing it long enough that when I need to be on point and not emotional for my patient, it's no problem. It just comes naturally to me. Um, but I'm also one of those doctors that cries with families. Yeah. And... You know, you kind of got to read the family. Some families don't want that and you can feel that from them and, and, you know, you can kind of follow that. But a lot of families, when you're talking to them about something, they want to know that you are feeling it just as much as they are. They want to see that you're human because, 
you know, they don't want a doctor to be making decisions just based on labs. They want a doctor making decisions, but look, looking at like the whole person and their family. And so if you're feeling those emo- emotions, they know that you're right there with them and they'll trust, they trust you, you so much more. Yeah. Have you ever had to like recuse yourself from a case? You're like, I'm too, like, I'm too emotionally invested in this person. Like I no longer feel like I can treat them. Has that ever happened? No, I mean, if it was someone that I knew before, like, let's say one of my, you know, friends came in sick, that would be different. But as far as, like, developing those sorts of emotions for a patient and their family while I'm their doctor, mm-hmm. no. No, there's just a natural, you know, separation yeah. there that, that, that doesn't happen because taking care of them comes first. So, yeah. What's been your most proud moment in your life? It doesn't have to be work-related. Like, when did you feel the oh, most Lisa. pride? Aww. And you like, should have given me these questions ahead of time, Melissa. How am I supposed <laughs> to think of that? Well, that's why we want we want like your your genuine, like honest, like uh, like what's that what's that moment that comes to mind? Oh, let's see, Melissa. You tell us yours while she's thinking. Well, yeah, I, can, I can think of one for her. No, you tell us yours while well, she's what were thinking. What you thinking of for me? Just I'm curious. Uh, I you were named a uh, intern of the year when you were in residency, weren't you? I mean, I'm sure that's my, probably not. You're, you're probably done way cooler things than that. But like, that's pretty amazing. Like, and then that's like not just in internal medicine. That's like for all of the residents in each of their specialties. That was a great moment, but not, I not, not her proudest. Not her proudest. I mean, I think you know my my proudest moments. There's not like one in in particular. Like I can think of a couple, you know, cases as far as you know, like related to medicine. Like that I've I've walked out of the room and been like, wow, I just pulled that off on my own. You know, like Aww. after you finish residency, you know, during during residency you. You get to do a lot of things on your own, but you know someone is always behind you, kind of looking over your shoulder, making sure everything is going okay. If you, you know, if, if things are tough. But then when I got to be an attending, it's just so much scarier because you don't have like that backup. Like you're you're the head bitch in charge now. Exactly. <laughs> and like, there's been a couple, uh, you know, like a, a night shift where you get called up to the floor by a nurse and you walk into the room and the patient is clearly going downhill and like they're gonna die really soon if you don't intervene properly. Oof. And I've just kind of gone into, like, you know, doctor mode and, you know, thought about things intelligently and quickly and made a correct, educated guess and then walked out of the room with a fairly stable patient. Oh, like, oh, you're like, fuck yeah. And dunk, (laughs) slam dunk. Yeah. And as you're walking away from that, you're just like, oh, like, I actually did it. Like, it actually worked out Amazing. the way it was supposed to. I finally got to where I've been trying to get all these years. Yeah, and also something that I think, because it's hard to think of, like, one moment that you're most proud, but it's really nice when you can, like, reflect, because something that makes my heart warm is that Hannah, like, finally was able to buy a house, and she's, like, being her doctor, she's not in residency anymore, and she, like, took her mom on this amazing vacation to Mexico. I'm going to cry right now. <laughs> and, like, that to me is, like mama we made it like we're doing it like yeah. that's a proud moment yeah oh my god that's way better than the one that I said. <laughs> <laughs> that was a proud moment for me too my so my mom actually sells houses so me me buying a house is a little bit extra special for her yeah and my mom was one of those women that always raised me to be like you want to grow up and be an independent woman support yourself and like you don't need no man like that sort of thing yeah um or no wall man. Like. <laughs> well, you definitely don't need a man. We've learned that. <laughs> but um, when my when I brought my mom here and she like walked through my house and walked out 
to the backyard and saw this beautiful view, I mean, we, we both cried a little. Like, that was a super proud moment mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. yeah. So beautiful. So, super sweet. Um, so there's something I want to talk about because this is something that I don't think a lot of people outside of the medical community know about, and that is match day and residency. <laughs> and this is something, um, full disclosure, my sister's also a doctor. So when my sister went through this, I was like, what the literal it's very scary. fuck feels like. <laughs> so can we talk about, can you walk me through match day? Tell me what that is, how it works and how terrifyingly awful it is so spoiler (laughs) alert it sucks (laughs) match day is brutal um okay so the way it works is when you're a medical student you go to different hospitals for like two to four weeks and you do what's called an audition which is you're basically just trying to do the work that an intern would do um and they see how good you are at it and how good your personality fits and that sort of thing um and you do that for like six months or so and then after that you have to submit a rank list, which ranks the hospitals or the programs that you like the most. And then the hospitals are also submitting rank lists for their auditioning students of who like who they like the most. And then there's this magic algorithm. A magic algorithm. Computer things. <laughs> it's an Excel sheet. <laughs> that tries to, like, optimize. Yeah, it takes out all the ranks and exactly. kind of just, like, and spits out. Tries to match all the number ones with all the, all the other number ones and just tries to make people, like, as happy as possible so that everybody gets what they want. And someone always gets fucked. Someone always gets <laughs> fucked, but it's slightly weighted towards the students, not the program, so that's a good thing. Oh. But the... Awesome. The, like, the hell of it is that you have to wait. You submit your list and then you have to wait a few weeks. And then in the morning, at, like, 6 o'clock in the morning, you log on to your email and you see where you go. And, like, here's the thing, too. It's not like you can be oh, like, so oh. so you don't, you can't, no tradesies? No tradesies. No take No take backs. No <laughs> <laughs> That's because like, I always, I always thought, like, when Ashley was going through medical school, I was like, okay, she's going to have to do residency. But I thought it was more like a job offer. Like, yeah, you go and interview and stuff, and then you get all the job offers, and then you see, like, which program is the best. And I was so taken aback when she was going through this process. I was like, so wait, like. Once you match with your residency, like, that's it. Like, that's where you're going. That's, that's done. That's it's it. It's like the decider of your base. That Like, that next chapter For the your next life couple is years, like, yeah, yeah, at least. And the other thing about it is, like, some schools, rather than people just checking their emails, they all get together and their rank list is revealed. Oh, no. And not oh, no. everyone oh, matches. No. Yeah, you oh, can no. also not match to residency. I don't so- want to be publicly, like, exactly. crying my eyes out because I don't get to go. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's the thing that's scary, too. Like, you could have gone. You could have done pre-med. You could have gone to medical. So what happens if you don't get a residency? You just go so through you, again? So you do what's called a scramble. No, no, no. <laughs> See, this isn't like, we're you not just playing go golf. Wherever you can we're, not go. Playing, like, we're not playing competitive softball here where we do a scramble. <laughs> like, no, this is not. I mean, it does work out for most people. This it ain't worked a out game. for me and Ashley. Thank the Lord. But, you know, it does leave a few people. The crappy situation. That reminds me of like working at a restaurant. You'd always rank the holidays that you cared about the most in real life. Like, and then... And, <laughs> You know, this is much smaller scale, but you, like, rank all the holidays, and then you kind of get screwed no matter what, but you maybe get a holiday off. Yeah. That's as close as we can relate to that's, this. That's all I have. <laughs> yeah, just like that. And it's not as disappointing, I'm sure. So what would you like to see change or evolve in the medical profession over the next 5, 10, 20 years? Like, what okay. do you think you see are, like, some of the struggles in, in your industry or challenges that you would like to see change? So... There's a couple thing, couple things. Um, what Steph mentioned earlier um, 
I think is really important about, you know, doctors being able to be emotional. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of doctor burnout. I think, Aww. like, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, women physicians were like the highest uh, at risk group for suicide. Whoa, I just um, got bad chills. So, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's a really big issue of physician burnout and physician quality of life. Um, and physicians, you know, kind of practicing what they preach and learning to take care of themselves also. Because I think it's one of the unique things about being a doctor of osteopathy is that you are taught, you know, I was taught in medical school that I have to take care of myself before I can take care of other people. And I don't think that a lot of physicians are taught that. Uh, and I think that's really important if we're going to have physicians who are empathetic. Because when you get that physician at bedside who is just super cold, doesn't seem like they care, even though they seem pretty smart, they probably do care. They're probably just really, really tired. And that's unfortunate because then the patients are, you know, they don't get a good, warm yeah. experience where they feel cared for, which is, you know, therapeutic and healing in and of itself. Totally. And then physicians are also robbed of these really fulfilling, satisfying experiences with with patients because they're too emotionally fatigued to be able to enjoy it or to feel it and to put that, you know, energy in. This seems like an obvious question, but do you feel like you're taking care of yourself well? Yeah, I've definitely been, you know, in residency, everyone is going to be at the point that they're burnt, that they're burnt out. But, you know, you, yeah. you try to spend as many hours as you can working your residency because you need the training. You know, you do need those long hours yeah. as part of the training. Um, but these days, you know, I've gotten myself a job that, um, you know, I don't have to work a ton. And so when I do go to work, I can work as, you know, I work my ass off and I'm totally emotionally available for patients because I'm restored and, you know, have things in life that, you know, make me happy Amazing. and rejuvenate me. Good. I That's hate awesome. to ask this question. Do you? I, I yeah, I do. do. Yeah. I kinda, <laughs> we got to stop saying that. Well, I mean, I just feel like it's such a generic question. Let's do it but, though. But like, how do you feel like, you're part of two minority categories. You're a female and you are also not heterosexual. True. So do you feel like that has put you like in any sort of like either one of those categories made your job any more difficult or strenuous or have you felt that you had to like prove yourself more yeah, by being biases. a female or yeah. by being gay? Like do those things affect your work? I would hope not. To my colleagues, I don't think that I have to work harder to be taken seriously. Um, but I'm, I, you know, I'm an internal medicine and I went to a program that had a lot of, you know, strong female leaders in the program. Um, so I was probably fortunate in that regard. Not every female physician has that privilege. That's for sure. Um, I think, uh, and then the same for, for, you know, not being straight. I don't, my colleagues don't care. Um, but, um, with patients, um, you know, I've never had my sexuality come up. Yeah, I guess that does. You can, <laughs> you can notice looks and things like that and kind of interpret them how you want to. But I, I can't say that it's ever like come up as an awkward thing. Um, I will say that from um, families being a young female, I can, you know, save the day and they have no idea that I'm the doctor. You know, I've, uh, I've walked into a room, yeah. ran a code blue, intubated the patient, put them on life support, walked out of the room and the, the family says, oh my gosh, nurse, I can't believe you just did all that. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I mean, nurses do amazing things, but, you know, I didn't go to medical school for, for people to kind of not recognize and yeah, you're wearing your ability. white coat. Also, <laughs> also, this is like a great example of how pe those people probably don't think they're sexist, but that's such exactly. a, it's such an ingrained sexist question statement and so forth. Like, yeah, that's how so deep. So people, 
that's how you like start working on yourself. Yeah, Those just always things work that up. you say. Just start at why not start at doctor? Yeah, if you accidentally <laughs> call a nurse a, a doctor, and they're not gonna be mad. <laughs> and you know, my male colleagues, families never ask them, Oh, can I call you like Andrew? They never get asked that. And my my my, oh. my patients and their families will say, Can we call you Hannah? And I'll be like, I, I go by Dr. Robinson. Oh, and they'll amazing. say Can we call you Dr. Hannah? You're like, I'm Dr. Robinson. <laughs> yeah. Or they'll call you, they'll say, thank you, Miss Robinson. Yeah. It's just, like, it hurts me to my core because they just called the, the male medical student doctor, even though he has no idea what's going on. Oh, oh man. Okay, people, work on that. Yeah, always work up. That's like a good, I think it's, it does speak to like a bigger issue in our society yeah. of how we have such like ingrained sexism and racism yeah. buried so deep down that it You're comes out. You're not even aware yeah. of it. No, but no. Now be aware. Yeah, always work up. Always work up. <laughs> Okay, so I have kind of a gross question. Yes. So I kind of... Blood. I love gross things. (laughs) So I heard a comedian talking about this the other day, so I have to ask you, what's the craziest thing you've seen somebody get stuck in their butt? Oh my God. Because we all know people put some weird stuff in their butts. So maybe like a light bulb? Oh no. Oh no. What if it's shattered? Oh no. no. Exactly. That's why it's so gross and weird. Oh no. It's not even like Wait, which way did the they biggest put it thing. In? Like the big part first. The bulb first. Yeah. Bulb first. Oh no, ease yeah. into it. Exactly. I would have gone the other way. Oh, I've for seen sure. people put like a lot bigger things. Oh, what's in their the butt? biggest thing you've seen? Like in your butt? I saw someone who had a dildo so big, so far up their intestines. It was like no joke, like a two foot long. What color dildo. was the dildo? We took bets on it. It was red. I guess. Oh! Pink. <laughs> You guessed what color? I guess pink. Oh, you were close. <laughs> I was close. Wait, so these people have gotten themselves into a situation so what that they th- cannot get out of, and they call 911 and show up to you, and they're like, is this like what happens? They're yeah, like, okay, so- I cannot d- fix this. <laughs> so that's the best part. They always come in. It's usually a straight man with his wife or girlfriend. Amazing. And they're always like... Getting curious. This was the first time we've ever done this. And it's like, you don't get clearly. it that far up the first clearly. time. Oh. oh, I was like, clearly you're inexperienced. Yeah, we've never shoved this two-foot dildo in before, but it got that far. How do... I can't even... I obviously have a really, like, poor understanding of how the human body works. Like, I don't... Lots I, of lube, Melissa. Lots of lube. But two feet? Yeah. Well, your colon is that. big. How long is your colon? Actually, how long Intestines? is your colon? She's better we at anatomy than me. Here. <laughs> we'll have to go- we'll Google that. We'll put it on the we'll put it on yeah. Instagram. Don't worry, we'll get this the answers for you. <laughs> your colon's like you know maybe a few feet. Yeah, your intestines so, are quite longer. So, have you seen any? I know that's like a very specific question about butts, but have you seen any other like like what's the craziest thing you've seen? I mean, the light bulb in the yeah, butt. Let's is, get some is crazy stories going. <sighs> Wish you'd give me these ahead of time. You knew we were okay, but ask a lot that. of people like yeah, a lot of should've. people like get their hands stuck in things and like fuck their hands up, right? Like in sausage makers. Wait, can I tell you a couple more like butt stuff? Butt, butt stories. Stuff. Yes. We butt love take, butt okay. stuff. <laughs> so there was this uh, one guy who came in with like I can't remember what it was. It was like an eggplant or like no, a no, carrot no, or no, something. No, 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 no. It was something that like grows in the ground, right? And he said that he slipped and fell on it, and that's how he got out of his butt. <laughs> I always love that story. Oh my God. Did, um, I just slipped and fell. This carrot ended up right up my butt. Yeah. I got one. That's how I lost my virginity. I just <laughs> slipped and fell on it. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> okay, so this one's really tragic. Oh, no. I'm ready. I've already okay. cried once. So 
Um, there was this uh, guy who was addicted to meth, and in, and instead of like going to a sex store and buying like a cock ring, like a proper cock ring, he just... don't even know what that is, but I'm following. Okay, really? How do I know that and you don't? You know, we keep it simple. <laughs> we keep it simple at my house. <laughs> no cock rings needed. I'm guessing it's a ring you put on your cock, though. Exactly. And, you know, it keeps the blood from, like, returning back to your body, so it makes things, like, bigger and more intense. Ew. So he went to, like, Home Depot. Oh, no. And got a ring. Or, like, a zip tie? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he put it on. He does, like, whatever he does. But he's on meth, and then I guess he, like, comes down, and he sleeps for, like, hours. Yeah. And then when he wakes up, the cock ring, which is too tight, has been on there for hours, and his entire penis is just, like, totally necrotic. Like, no blood flow, like, dead, and it had to be amputated, and it was awful. What? The whole thing just, like, turned black, like... In a couple hours? No, he's, he was on meth, and he came down for... He slept for, like, hours and hours and hours. And then finally, when he, like, you know, wakes up, he, like, comes to the hospital, and it's just way too late. So, that's probably... He's so sad. That's really... Yeah. yeah, you have to go throughout your life without genitalia, which... Yeah, awesome. Public service that. announcement. If you are using a cock ring, um, if you use it for more than four hours, okay, you're wait. doing something wrong. Public service announcement. Don't do meth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How about we start there? <laughs> and also, don't buy cock rings from Home Depot. Okay, yeah, go to a proper sex store. Lots of lessons to learn here. <laughs> okay, I have lear- I've learned a lot about meth and sex in the last few months, and it's my- it blows my mind. Anyways, that's not for now. But Okay, any other crazy stories? We, li- we like the crazy stories. That's all I have right now. Oh, there was this old lady who was in her 60s who Aww. had some sort of, like, ball. Um, that what? She was- it was like a kegel ball. Ooh, in her 60s. Mm-hmm. She's trying to keep her. it tight. Yeah, Good she was her. like, and she wasn't ashamed at all. She came to the ER and she was like, I was doing my kegels with my kegel ball and I sucked it too far up in and we had to pull it out. She's too strong. Exactly. It was crazy. Go, girl. She wasn't ashamed at all. She, I was like, Good for you yeah. for doing your kegels. Good. Another PSA. Everybody do your kegels. <laughs> Inspirational. Do, your kegels. do we know? I know that's like a HIPAA violation, but I'd love to interview her. I don't have access to that. <laughs> I do like her, though, a lot. She's my new hero. <laughs> so are there any, like, health fads out there that, like, are oh my just God, super yes. annoying to you right now that, like, people think they're being, like, super healthy and you're just like, yeah, I mean, kind of. Oh, there are so many. Like, like keto or, like, Stephanie's drinking a kombucha. Okay, fuck like- you. <laughs> I mean, I can't say Don't that I've seen me my kombucha, bad. okay? <laughs> because cognitive dissonance, I will not listen to it anyways. Kombucha is a go for you. Thank you. Um, so one thing that people do that is a lot of work for everyone unnecessarily is that they just drink way too much water. So, Whoa. Yeah. This happens all the time on a regular basis. How much is too much? If you're not thirsty, you don't need to drink water. I'm I'm flashing birds to everyone at this table because I drink a gallon of water a day, and it's my but you but you're thirsty. Yeah, I'm you're, a thirsty you, bitch. You're not you're not forced. You like hey, this is word to the wise, Stephanie, because I don't drink a lot of water. I probably I probably don't drink enough water. That's totally fair, but that's kind of um, so are people hurting themselves? Yeah. So what happens is people drink way too much water and it dilutes down your bloodstream and your sodium drops way, way, way too low. And that can actually cause a lot of problems. Um, You can have seizures, you can have like confusion. And then if you don't come into the hospital for several days to have your sodium, you know, increase to normal, 
at a very slow rate, then you can have brain damage even okay. like up to being paralyzed. I'm now terrified. Yeah, so people, Whoa. like, they feel totally fine. Have you They're seen people, people that have done this? Like, yes. Have you seen, oh, my gosh. This happens to alcoholics, too, which is who usually ends up with, like, all the bad side effects afterwards. Um, but, you know, people will have to come and stay in the hospital three or four days, even though they feel totally healthy, just to get their sodium up I'd, from drinking too much water. What if I drink a lot of water, but I have a lot of sodium? I'm a salt queen. Am I You're working okay. it out? I'm doing okay. You're probably okay. Because sometimes I do feel kind of drunk when I drink a lot of water. Yeah, it's maybe you water drink too much water. I was going to say, I tell Melissa, I feel like I've told you this before, I get kind of loopy sometimes, but I'm just chugging water. Yeah, she'll, she'll down. So maybe I need, yeah, I need to take a step down on the water, it sounds like. It well, sounds like something I would definitely do to myself. But I think if you're thirsty, like, drink it, right? Is that the moral of the story? If you're yeah, thirsty, listen drink to your it. body. If you're thirsty, drink water. If you just worked out a lot, oh drink God. a bunch of water. Speaking of my dog, <laughs> <laughs> my dog is now drinking out of my cup un- unannounced. She just walked up as we're having this conversation and started drinking out of my cup. Yeah, wow. That, that was, was great timing. That was really rude, Denali. Rude. Well, you guys make out already, so it's not really a big deal. I have um, some rapid fire questions Ooh, for I you. Oh, I love this section. Uh, it's only five questions. It's either I want to ask them. Okay, they're not yes or no necessarily. It's like one or the other. Um, and then after that, we'll have one last follow-up question. Um, I hope, do those make sense yep, to you? Yeah, I, I got kind, this. I kind of shortened it. I'm jealous. So. Melissa's done all the prep today, so I'm going to take over. Um, so you have to answer them as quick as possible. No pausing, no explanations, okay. no nothing. Okay? Are you ready? <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Are you a good driver? Yes. Do you like the morning or night? Morning. Are you on time usually or late? On time. Dogs or cats? Dogs. What is your go-to karaoke song? Backup dancing. Backup dancing? Wait, I don't karaoke. I don't wait, sing, you wait, guys. wait, 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 <laughs> wait. She's the hype girl. So she... <laughs> so you just backup dance for your friends doing karaoke. Correct. If you had to gun against your head, this is your moment, maybe you win a million dollars, what song would you pick? Oh, gosh. Something that I don't actually have to sing in. I would do, like, a rap song. Maybe, Ooh. like, you know, like an old school, like, Changes by Tupac. Yeah. I or, like, pick something a, like that. I pick like, a rap, I could rap something. I pick a rap song every single time, and I get so lost, and I just stand up there and, like, dance. <laughs> so, if you, okay, back to, so if you're set on being a backup dancer, what's your favorite backup, what's your yeah, favorite what song you to dance to? Honestly, you guys, I avoid karaoke at all costs. Well, we're not talking about karaoke now. What's your dance song? She's not really a dancer, it sounds like. No, I love to dance. Odessa? I love these dance moves we're getting from Ashley. You can't see them. Do I have one? Favorite artist? Okay. Odessa. Probably Odessa right now. Damn. Or maybe Thievery Corporation. Ooh, they're good. That's a good one. Okay, so we're going to wrap it up with one final last question. This is serious. So serious. What would uh, what is the best advice you could give to somebody that wants to go on this journey that you've gone on with becoming a doctor? Say they're in high school, or maybe they've already gone through college um, and gotten a degree in something else, but they're like, "Fuck, I really want to be a doctor, and I have nowhere to start." Like, what if you could go back in time and give yourself advice? What would you say? So I think that the most important thing is keeping it. Um, in perspective, as far as like the more you put in, the more you're going to get out. Aww. So if you 
you know, if you think that, you know, you want to be a doctor to be happy in life and that's your calling, then you should definitely do it rather than being afraid of the hard work because it truly is worth it. I mean, if you didn't put all that hard work into it, you wouldn't get all the reward for it, for it of like getting to know patients and their families and like really, you know, doing something good for them in their life and meaning something to them in their life. And, you know, in medical school, it's, it's like so hard, but being on the other side of it, I can honestly say that every second of it was Aww, worth it for that. sure. Yeah. So do the hard work. Do the work, guys. Yeah, do the work. It's going it to suck, but you can buy a badass house and have a beautiful view. And be on a podcast. And be on a podcast. <laughs> the ultimate dream. The ultimate goal <laughs> at the end of all of this. Now she can retire. She's been on a podcast. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Dr. Robinson. Thank you, Dr. Robinson. Thank we you for having me. having you on. Okay, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.